Oh God, we're so amazed today that you, the creator of the universe, the sovereign, holy, mighty, all-powerful God would also be loving. God, that you would be personal. We're amazed at that. That, that, that you're almighty, you're all-powerful, you're sovereign, and you're the creator, and yet you're also loving. You're intimate with us. You're gracious. You're merciful. You are creative. God, that is such an amazing blend of your attributes, that you would be holy and loving, and that we could be recipients of that love, and that you made this relationship possible through Jesus. And we give you praise for the sacrifice of Christ shed abroad his blood that forgives and reconciles us and now lord we bring this offering before you it's just a small way to demonstrate that we love you and we're committed to you and we're followers of you so as we give in this offering we give with joy that the nations be reached for jesus and all who agreed said amen amen you may be seated well you guys we have the incredible privilege now to to witness a baptism <laughs> becky duhan is going to get baptized, and it's been such a joy for me to see her grow. She's in our transformational discipleship group on Wednesday nights. And uh, Becky, I just want to just affirm you and say I'm so proud of you for what you're doing today. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And do you pledge to surrender your life to him and follow him all the days of your life? Amen. Well, you know, one of the things I want to say to you, and this is for all of us as well, because what a, what a powerful picture this is of the gospel and of your new identity in Christ. First of all, we're in water, right? Water cleanses our hands and washes our clothes, and we're cleansed of our sins by the blood of Jesus. And so this is a beautiful picture of cleansing, and you're already forgiven. You're already cleansed of all your sins because you've received Christ. And I know your heart, you want to follow him. And I know that, that this is a big, courageous step for you to be baptized today, and I'm so proud of you. And so the other thing that this does and what this shows is when you go under that water, it demonstrates and shows that we are dead to the old, that we've been crucified with Christ, that our old person is dead, Romans 6 says. The old is gone. And one of the lines I love, what is it, Eliza, that I don't have time to maintain these regrets. I love that line in that song. I don't have time to maintain regrets about our past. Why? Because it's under the blood. It's forgiven. Why look back? Why let the enemy beat us up for the past? Because we're forgiven, we're declared righteous, we're accepted by God. And Becky, I want you just to take that to heart today. The old Becky's gone. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. Say with me, gone. It's gone. And the new has come. And then you come out of that water, and that just shows that you're new in Christ. New identity, new relationship. You're accepted by God. You're righteous in his sight. And so we have the privilege now of doing this baptism. All right. Y'all ready? Man, she's got a team of supporters here. I love it. Friends and leader of Transformational Discipleship One. You ready for this? All right. Becky, it gives me great joy to baptize you, my sister in Christ, based upon your allegiance to him. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Yes, look at this. Celebrate with you. Man. All right, join me in prayer. We're going to pray for Becky now. I want y'all to extend your hands out. As she gets out of the water, y'all just extend your hands. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for Becky. And we pray that you would bless and anoint and empower and fill her afresh 
with your Holy Spirit today. And God, we just thank you for our sister in Christ. Thank you for her courage today. And we pray that you would give her a fresh revelation of her righteousness, that you convict of sin and righteousness and judgment. So just convince her of her righteous standing in Jesus and that she is cleansed and forgiven and a new creation and that you accept her and that you're her perfect father. God, we pray a revelation. Just pray with me together. Pray a revelation of your father heart. And God, that anything in her past that would hold her back, we claim it's forgiven. It's under the blood of Jesus. Satan is bound in Jesus' name. And that she is free and that she is loved by you and her church family. In Christ's name, amen. Woo! Let's go back into it. Come on, let's go back into it. Let's do it again. Come on. Let the love of God surround you today. We're going to sing this one more time. Just a small portion. Yeah. today and watching online in this room that really have a hard time accepting your love. I pray today with all my heart what Paul prayed in Ephesians 3 that you would open the eyes of our heart that we would grasp the height and the depth and the width and the length of your great love that surpasses knowledge. It's not a knowledge thing. It's not a head thing ultimately. It's a heart thing. Receive his love today. Beloved, receive his love. I bind and rebuke every lying spirit that would say to people they're not loved. Lord, let your love be poured out today in fresh measure. Oh, God, let them see that the greatest demonstration of your love for them was Jesus hanging on a cross, shedding his precious blood, and saying, I went to the ultimate length and degree to show you my great, infinite, eternal, unconditional love. So I ask God for fresh revelation of that. And that your love would set us free to love you and love others. In Jesus' name. All right, stay standing. Turn to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Thank you, worship team. 1 John 3 is where we're going to be today, and then we'll dismiss our children. If you're new to Living Hope, we preach verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through books of the Bible. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, and we will give you one. It's a New Testament. 
1 John is toward the back of the New Testament. Now, some Sundays we cover just a few verses. We kind of land and linger. <laughs> Today we're, ta- we're taking a bigger portion. And uh, here's where we're going to go, beginning at verse 10. 1 John 3.10. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Say, love his brother. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Some of you need to hear that today. Do not be surprised, brothers and sisters, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us. That's good news, isn't it? We ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Now we're like, uh-oh, you just went from preaching to meddling, John. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. That's hard, isn't it? By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. Whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, for he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. When you're born again and you have the conviction of righteousness, your heart doesn't condemn you. You know you're clean before God, and it's not on the basis of your works, it's on the basis of his work. So you can have that clear conscience. That's what this is talking about. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Holy Spirit, we ask you to anoint this message in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you can be seated. Children that wish to go to Children's Church, you are dismissed out that exit right there. Notes are on the back of your announcement flyer, and they're available on the app. Again, welcome those of you watching online. We're glad you're with us. Even those in other countries, we welcome you. You know, love is probably one of the most misunderstood and overused words in the English language. I mean, we can say, I love my wife, I love God, I love Jesus, but we also say, I love a hamburger, or I love the Georgia Bulldogs, or I love my car. And so, obviously, we're using that word in in very different ways, aren't we? Now, the Bible talks about love as the supreme quality. It's the first fruit of the Spirit, love. Jesus said, if you were to summarize all of the law and the prophets, everything in the Old Testament, he said, how do you summarize it? Love God, love your neighbor. And today, we're going to learn that love is another sign of a true believer. So let's first of all define love, because uh, it's important that we're all on the same playing field, and and I believe this definition, it passes any test I have ever brought with the word love. Any context, you can take this definition, and it will help you immensely. Here's, my belief, here's what I believe is the most biblical, accurate definition of love. Love is doing the highest good for another, regardless of the cost to self. 
So let's take salvation. Jesus did the highest good for us, right? What's our highest need? To be reconciled to God, to be forgiven of our sins. And so he went to the ultimate link, regardless of the cost of self, it cost him his life. He went to that ultimate link to demonstrate and to meet that deep need that we had to be forgiven of our sins. And we're going to flesh this out in other ways today. We're going to get super practical. It's going to get uncomfortable today. It's uncomfortable for me as well. Listen, anytime I preach stuff, it boomerangs back to me. I've had to live with this all week. You're just hearing it now. So get ready to be a little uncomfortable. But the first point today is this. Love is a sign of a true believer. I don't know how many of you, probably have to be about over 50 to remember this song. And I'll try to sing it. If you know it, join with me. I know the Pierces will know it because you're old enough to know this. They will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. They will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. And together we'll spread the news that God is in our land. And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. Now today, people think they'll know, we are Christ- they'll know I'm a Christian by what I post on social media. <laughs> or whether I vote a certain way. But, but the Bible says, and look at these verses right here. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Remember we talked about that two weeks ago. It's uncomfortable language. We know it makes us squirm a little, but you're either a child of God or a child of the devil. Here's one of the ways to determine whether you're a child of God by the love you have for one another. Verse 14, we know that we've passed out of death into life. That's salvation. You pass out of death into life. You go from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. You go from being dead in your spirit to being alive in your spirit to being born again. Because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. John 13, 34 and 35. Jesus said, this is how they will know you are my disciples, by the love you have for one another. Francis Schaeffer said this is the final apologetic to a watching world, is the love we have for one another. Now, a couple weeks ago, Charlie Powell asked a great question during the Q&A time. He said, in light of this study of 1 John where we're looking at signs of a true believer... Can we have assurance of salvation the moment we accept Christ and are born again? And I said, absolutely. And then I gave this answer, and I think it applies to this, and I'm going to back it up with verse 23 in a minute, is that, here? listen carefully, we have initial conversion assurance and ongoing lifestyle assurance. You get initial conversion assurance the moment you accept Christ, the moment you invite Christ to come into your life, the moment you put your faith and trust in Christ alone, and the Bible says at that moment you are justified by faith. That happens at a moment in time. You're declared righteous, you're given a new nature, you're forgiven of all your sins. That's the initial conversion assurance. And you can have assurance of salvation at that moment based upon what God says in His Word. He says, if you put your faith and trust in Christ, you're born again. He says, if you open the door of your heart, I will come in, forgive you, and we'll have fellowship. That's initial conversion assurance. You can have that the moment you accept Christ, the moment you're born again. In addition to that, that's justification. There is sanctification salvation. That's the ongoing journey of walking it out, right? You get ongoing lifestyle assurance as you see changes in your life. I remember when I got born again. I was 17, senior in high school. I prayed and invited Christ to come into my life. Within the next week, I began to have a hunger for God's Word that I had never had before. Now, I had read God's Word before because I went to church every Sunday. My dad was a pastor. I was an acolyte. I was a crucifer. 
And I had read God's word, but it was kind of like, it was like reading some, hey, here's a good one. It was like reading somebody else's mail. When I got saved, it was reading my own mail. <laughs> it was God's love letter to me, not just God's love letter to everybody else out there. You get what I'm saying? And so there was initial conversion assurance. I knew Christ had come into my life because he said in his word he did. But then as I began to experience that relationship and over a period of days and weeks, I began to see God's word just jump off the page. I began to have a whole new perspective toward other people. Now, am I perfect in my love for other people? Of course not. That is sanctification. But I saw a change. I began to see people different. I began to have a concern about other people's salvation. I didn't have that concern before. I didn't give a flying rip whether they were saved or not. I thought going to church and just being a good person was what it meant to be a Christian. But when I got born again and began to enter into this personal relationship with Christ, all of a sudden my heart began to stir. Oh, here's the other thing. He began to change my desire. The things I used to want to do that didn't please him, they just began to lose, they began to lose their appeal. Now, does it, does it mean that I never desired a sin? Of course not. There's still things that, that pull me toward going away from God that are still appealing to my flesh, let's say. But all in all, I don't want to do that. I want to please God. Now, how did that occur? Because of what God did on the inside of me and what he does on the inside of you. And we're going to get to that later. Final point today is the absolute most crucial point. But first of all, we see here that love is a sign of a true believer. And that what happens at justification will manifest at sanctification. And if you don't see a manifestation in sanctification, then you may not have been justified saved. Because if you're truly justified by faith in Christ and begin that relationship, and God's seed, remember we saw that in chapter 3, God's seed abides in you, that seed will produce fruit. That seed will produce a plant. That seed will produce change. That's all he's saying here. He's not saying love in order to get saved. He's not saying, now try real hard to love people. And if you love people enough, then God will accept you and you'll get saved. That's not what he's saying. It's not, not saying you, you love to get saved, but he's saying if you're truly saved, you will love. You see? See the difference? If you're truly justified saved, you will see changes in sanctification salvation. And the sign here is that of love. Now in verse 23, there's a very significant thing going on. And I'm not trying to get overly technical, but remember we, we want to have milk and meat every Sunday. <laughs> milk for the new believer, milk for the unbeliever. Milk that's easily drunk and you can digest it, but then meat that you chew on. And so we'll get a little meat here in verse 23. This is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another. Now the word believe there in the Greek, remember New Testament was written in Greek, Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The Greek has this amazing way of describing things. It's a, there's an amazing way the Greek language writes verbs that are much more expressive than English verbs. It takes a phrase in English to often say what one word will say in English. In the Greek, the word believe is in the aorist tense. The aorist tense in the Greek language refers to an action that happened at a point in time. This is justification salvation. Believing in the name of Jesus receiving Christ, being born again. It happens at a moment in time, aorist tense. But the word love in the Greek here is in the present active ongoing tense. It means you're continually loving. So right here we see that believe talks about justification salvation, 
the assurance you have at conversion. Love is an ongoing progressive experience you are to have in your sanctification journey that also shows that your justification salvation was genuine and real. Did you get all that? And so right here we have initial conversion assurance and ongoing lifestyle assurance. Believe is the initial conversion assurance. It happens at a moment in time. You're born again. You get a new nature. You begin a relationship with God. And then the ongoing love is the sanctification assurance that you have because Christ is producing changes in you and you're seeing and treating people differently. John Stott talks about this in his commentary. There's a significant difference in the tenses of the two verbs, believe and love. Faith in Christ here, regarded as a decisive act, aorist tense, and love, present indicative, for the brethren as a continuous attitude. Both are tests of a true Christian. Isn't that good? So we've talked about these signs of a believer in 1 John. One way you can categorize these that might be helpful is this way. There's the sign, there's the doctrinal test or the doctrinal sign that's believing in Christ. There's the moral test that's living a righteous, godly life. Perfect? No. But when you sin, you want to quickly repent. We've talked about that two weeks ago and that whole thing about a Christian doesn't continually sin. We explained all that. And then today is the social test, how you treat others, love for others. So where do we see love most modeled for us? Number two, love is demonstrated by the sacrifice of Jesus. No greater demonstration of love, my friends, than what Christ did on the cross. Jesus said, greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Let's go back to our definition of love. Doing the highest good for another, regardless of the cost to self. Jesus did the highest good for you. And that is to remove your sin, regardless of the cost to self. Shedding his own blood, being flogged and crucified. And so 1 John 3, 16, and I love this. I know that man put the chapters and verses in the Bible. It wasn't in the original. But isn't it interesting that 1 John 3, 16 is kind of a parallel to John 3, 16. In 1 John 3, 16, it says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so here, our definition of love is on brightest display. Yesterday, I had the the difficult privilege, that's the best way to put it. I had the difficult privilege of doing Lee DeLoach's memorial service. Now, I've been a believer for 44 years. I've been a pastor 36 years. And I honestly am not sure that I've ever known anybody that was not like a full-time evangelist or a pastor that shared the gospel with more people and led more people to Christ than Lee DeLoach. I mean, I'd get texts from him on a regular basis. I mean, the public's parking lot. Hey, David, look at this The woman that carried my groceries to my car, just led her to Christ. Out there at the great, I mean, I'm not, I mean, it's over all the time. The guy that did his addition on his house, the guy that put the new steps on his, his uh, business, uh, his new office, you know, he'd, he'd share Christ and they'd get saved and he'd send me a picture of them. Well, Lee planned his own funeral and I advise all of you to do that. As a matter of fact, we have a form here. We encourage people to fill it out. If you want one, email me. It's a funeral planning sheet. You literally plan your own funeral. It's an amazing privilege. He planned everything he wanted. And then he did this. He called me over to his house one day and said, I want to make a video that's going to be played at my funeral. I said, what? Yeah. By the way, I've done a lot of funerals. A handful where the person that you're doing the funeral, there's a video of them 
speaking to everybody. It's powerful. I had a 99-year-old woman in Wisconsin that she had me video her in the nursing home before she died. And she wanted to tell all of her relatives, she wanted me to ask her this question, Edna, isn't that a cool name? That's a good old Wisconsin name, Edna Athnas. She said, ask me this question, Pastor. Edna, what would you say to any of your relatives who think that following Jesus is foolish and you don't need to? She'd say, I would say they're stupid. Now, a 99-year-old woman can get away with using stupid, you know? Played it in her funeral right there on the big screen. She's saying, I'd say they're stupid. I said, look, she said it, not me. So Lee, Lee, in Lee's service yesterday, he had me come over to his house and he said, I want to make a video of my testimony. It's played in my service. And I get over to his house and he's got this, it's interesting, he's got this big old foam insulation, big old piece of foam insulation that you use in, a, in home construction. And he had a permanent marker with his outline of what he was going to say. So he said, hey, Pastor David, this is my teleprompter. And so I put it behind me, he followed that outline and he spoke. And it was powerful. And he starts off by going, well, if you're watching this, I'm with Jesus. Stinks for you guys to be left on earth, but I'm with the Lord. <laughs> powerful and then he said make sure you share the gospel and he would carry this little booklet in his pocket he'd have a bunch of them in his pocket all just always ready ready at all times whose phone is that turn it off please <laughs> but he said he, oh you're good so he said make sure you share the good news of salvation and it's all share it with you right now because it's it's modeled in this point that the best demonstration of love is right here. And point number one is that God created you and loves you and wants a personal relationship with you. But there's a problem called sin, number two. Four points. Number two, we are sinful and separated from God. Our sin keeps us from a relationship with God. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's perfection. Number three, the good news, Christ came to die for our sins, to be the sin remedy so that our sin could be forgiven and removed and we have a relationship with God. But it's not enough just to know that. Number four, we must personally put our faith and trust in Christ alone and receive him in our life. And Lee said, make sure you share that. Because the only way that anybody will ever see Lee again is by making sure that you're born again by faith and trust in Christ alone for your salvation. It's not by your works. It's not by religion. It's not by anything you and I do. It's by everything he did. And that's the greatest, most powerful demonstration of love, isn't it? What a model we have. Now, the next point goes right with our definition is this, and this is the most uncomfortable point today. Love is actions more than words. You know, it's one thing to say you love somebody. It's one thing to say something with your mouth, but it's, it's a lot different to demonstrate it by your actions. And so here in verse 16 and 17 and 18, it says we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers like Christ laid down his life for us. Then in verse 17, this is where it gets to really be uncomfortable. And it's as uncomfortable for me as it is for you today. He says, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, here it is, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Whew. Again, Jesus is our example. Think of the many ways that he manifested his love to people. Spending time with them. Meeting their needs. Feeding the 5,000. Healing the sick. Sight to the blind. Hearing to the deaf. Reaching out to Zacchaeus and saying, I'm coming to your house, Zacchaeus. And he hung out in his house. 
hung out with sinners and tax collectors and the despots of society. He was willing to be with them. When the Pharisees, they were so self-righteous, they judged. But Jesus was willing to get down and dirty, with the down and dirty, patiently discipling his twelve. I love that in the chosen. You see that often. Just his patience to keep working with them. Even on the cross, making sure that John was going to care for his mother. And then we see this model in the early church. Acts chapter 2, it says, They met in the temple and house to house, and they sold their possessions and met needs when they saw an actual need. Then in James chapter 2, let's turn to that. James chapter 2, verse 14. Go just a few books to the left. James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers? Chapter 2, verse 14. If anyone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, ooh, one of you says to him, well, go in peace, be warmed and filled. Without giving him the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So again, we're saved by faith alone in Christ alone. True faith will produce good works. If it doesn't, then it wasn't true faith. So you don't do works to get saved. But if you're truly saved by true faith, that true faith in justification will produce the changes in sanctification. Just like we saw earlier, believe, that's faith, and love continually. Believe, aorist tense, love, present infinitive. Here, true faith will produce good works or it's not true faith. So important we get that, guys. So important you don't put the cart before the horse. You do not do good works to get saved. But true saving faith will produce good works. And today, one of those good works is loving people in action. So let's get real practical. I believe one of the greatest ways you can love another person is to share the gospel with them. Because again, our definition of love, doing the highest good for another regardless of the cost to self. The highest good for another is to be forgiven of their sins and reconciled to God and not go to hell, but go to heaven, right? That's the highest good. I mean, we can do great things for people in feeding the, 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 the people who need to be fed and all that. And, 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 and I'm going to talk about that too. But ultimately, we could feed somebody and they still die and go to hell. So their soul is the most important thing. So the highest good for somebody is to help them come to know God, be forgiven of their sins, so that they can have a relationship with God and go to heaven. Now, there's a cost to self to share, right? You're fearful, you're embarrassed, you don't know if you'll have all the answers to their questions, you might get laughed at, so there's a cost to self, but the highest good for the other is to do, love is doing the highest good for the other, regardless of the cost to self. So evangelism is a huge way to love another person, discipling people, meeting practical needs. You know, we, we get a prayer request sometimes, and I love it when somebody says, I got that prayer request, and I said, you know what, I can actually meet that need. And so instead of just praying for them, they actually go and meet the need of the person, and they're an answer to the prayer. I, I love it when I hear the small groups. Brooks' small group, I hear regularly reports of people in that group knowing of a need and then helping meet the need within the group. I love that. We have what's called a benevolent fund here. So y'all know we're a tithing church, so 10% of all the money given here, we give outside of our church. 50% of that tithe goes to world missions. 25% of that tithe goes to local evangelism. The other 25% goes to benevolence. That's helping people who have legitimate needs. So just in the last month, we've helped two people that are regular attenders here fix their cars. 
they didn't have the money to fix the car. So we had the money in the benevolent fund. They come to us. They share that need. Come to us if you have a need. We'll consider it based on what we have. And then that's just one small way that we try to do this. Are we hitting the nail perfectly? Of course not. But it's one small way to put love into practice. Now, let's get real practical. <laughs> what would we do if all of a sudden there was a big um, ask for refugees that are going to come here from Ukraine? That could happen. So refugees are going to come from Ukraine because of the war into Athens. And they say, hey, what better place than churches to help meet the need? I'm just making this up, but it's probably going to happen. And so we get a notice, let's say, how many Christians in Athens will actually house somebody from Ukraine? Would we be willing? Would you be willing? Would I be willing? How about when you are driving and you see the person on the corner, homeless? What do you do? What do I do? I'll tell you what my dad does. I love this. And I'm going to, I'm actually have on my to-do list tomorrow to get, to do up, to make up a bunch of these. He's got these plastic bags and in it are all these practical things. There's, there's nuts and raisins. There's granola bar. There's a bottle of water. There's these things to, you know, wash your hands. There's a little bit of soap. There's some, some just real practical things that he puts in there. And then he, I think he has a little New Testament. That he puts in there. So it's a struggle, isn't it? Because you know, you hear all the stories, you know, you've seen the reports out there. You know, 2020 did this report, guy, you know, that stands on the corner with a homeless sign and he makes $50,000 a year. He's fully capable of working. He takes that money and he's just, you know, he's just scarfing off people. Yes, there are those out there. But that's not my responsibility. I, I, you know, when you think about what would Jesus do, I have a hard time believing that Jesus would just drive past them and do nothing. But I get the whole tension here. I get the whole wrestling. What do you do? Maybe they're just going to go and buy alcohol with it. Maybe they're going to, you know, or, or maybe they're a legitimate need that I could show the love of Christ in a tangible way to them. So I love what my dad does. That's just his way of, his way of being led by the Spirit. And this is the bottom line. We've got to be led by the Spirit. Then you, you have people, okay, trying to give a lot of examples here to show how complex this can be. <laughs> and we need to wrestle with these things. What about the person that truly can work? They are truly capable of working, but they don't because they're lazy and they're just taking handouts and they're taking advantage of people. What do you do then? Or, ah, here's a good one. <laughs> Boy, the first service, I got such a reaction to this. Either people were in this boat or they know somebody that's in this boat. How about the 25-year-old child? Fully capable of working. They're not disabled. They sit in your basement. You're letting them live for free, and they play video games eight hours a day. Is that love? In the name of love, the highest good for another, regardless of the cost to self. Is it the highest good for that 25-year-old to sit on his behind, do nothing when he's fully capable of working, and you're enabling him to be lazy and irresponsible? I would say no. You're not loving him or her. You're enabling him to be lazy. Pastor, that sounds a little harsh. Well, there's a verse, actually, that addresses this. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 10. They had the same problem back then as I just described. There were people that were 
taking advantage of the generosity of believers, but being lazy and irresponsible. And Paul said, if a man doesn't work, let him not eat. So that leads us back to verse 18. I think we had 18. Yes. But in deed and in truth. Ooh. Love must bring truth into the equation. You see, it's not just grace, 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 give, give, give. There must be a truth component. And if the truth component is that that person is lazy and irresponsible, I need to love them with that truth and help them come to the reality of the truth they need to face to work a job. But at the same time, there are legitimate needs where a person is in a dire strait and they truly need us to give of ourselves and our time. And so I get with these examples, I hope you see, I get that this is complicated. I get that this can be like, well, I, you know, we don't see the true heart of the person. It's, we just got to be led by the Spirit. That's the beauty of this. The Holy Spirit will lead you. The Holy Spirit will guide you. And what is right for this situation may not be the same for this situation. But we are to love in action. All right, final point. And this is so important, you guys. This one is really one where we're going to see today, where does the ability to love like this come from? And I love preaching this because I am absolutely convinced that what I am about to present in the last 10 minutes of this message is the most powerful, transformative truth for a believer in all of the Bible. I mean that. That if there was one thing that I could say to any believer, now the most important thing to say to a non-believer is the gospel. Help them get born again. Help them be saved through faith in Christ alone. For the believer, what I'm going to present in the next 10 minutes is the most important, transformative message for believers. And it's the final point today that love ultimately is a fruit of the indwelling presence of God. It's a fruit of the indwelling presence of God that comes into you the moment you are born again. The Bible says in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's the first and most important fruit. It's a fruit of the indwelling power and presence of the Holy Spirit. It is not something that you and I produce on our own by trying harder or getting more disciplined or reading more books. It is the power and the presence of God that literally comes inside of you the moment you're born again. And this message is not understood by so many believers. That we are changed by God in us. Not us trying to change ourselves from the outside in, but it's God changing us from the inside out. Let me show you in these verses. Look at how many times the phrase in him is used. Eternal life abiding where? In him. How does God's love abide where? In him. Verse 24, he abides in God and God where? In him. <laughs> and by this we know that he abides where? In us. By the Spirit whom He has given us. Do you think He's trying to make a point here? 
He has just talked about how important love is. He's just talked about how love must be in action, not just in words. Now he's saying, wait, if I don't emphasize that this is a transformative work of God in them, they will think they have to go try hard, make it happen, work in the flesh, drum it up. No, it's by abiding in God and allowing God's Spirit to abide in you. One more verse I want you to look at, Romans chapter 8, verses 9 to 11. Romans chapter 8, verses 9 to 11. Four times in this passage, we say that we see this same phrase, in you, in you, in you. Romans 8, 9, you, however, are not in the flesh, actually five times, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if the Spirit is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit of life because of righteousness, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he also will give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who indwells in you. Do you see the emphasis? In you, in you, in you. Now, I have used this illustration many times, but today I'm going to give it in just a slightly different manner. And I pray with all my heart that this would somehow be a revelation to you. This glass of milk represents your inner being. Y'all know that we have an outer being and an inner being. Our outer being is our flesh, our body. I don't mean to sound disrespectful, but it's to, to make a point. Lee DeLoach's body was cremated. It is gone, dust to dust. That was not the true Lee DeLoach. I love what Peter Lord said in a sermon once, pastor of Titusville First Baptist Church. He said, when I die, put a sign on my casket that says, Peter Lord ain't here anymore. This is just the house he lived in. He goes, I don't want people coming up to me going, don't he look good? Don't he look good? He goes, Peter Lord ain't here anymore. This is just the house he lived in. <laughs> but the true Lee DeLoach is the inner man. He's, with, he's in glory right now with Jesus. So this represents your inner being. When you are saved, when you get born again, when you are justified by faith, we just saw in Romans 8 that if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not in Christ. So when you get born again, when you receive Christ in your life, this chocolate syrup represents the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Every believer who is justified by faith is indwelt with the Holy Spirit. You get all the Holy Spirit you're ever going to get. It's not a matter of how much of the Holy Spirit you have, it's how much of you the Holy Spirit has. And so we all are indwelt with the Spirit. The Spirit of God indwells us. This is the initial conversion assurance. <laughs> okay? You're born again. You have the assurance at justification salvation that you are saved, that you have a relationship with God, that your sins are forgiven, that you are righteous in Christ, that you have a relationship with the living God. Now we move into sanctification salvation, whereby the Spirit who is in us begins to manifest the fruit of love. Joy, peace, patience begins to change your desires. How does that happen? As you grow in Christ, you stir up the presence of God that lives within you. You stir it up through the word and prayer and fellowship and worship and witnessing and serving. A lot of ways you stir it up. You're growing in that relationship. Your desires are beginning to change. You're beginning to see people differently. You are being, listen, 2 Corinthians 3.18, as we behold the glory of God. We are being transformed from one degree of glory to another degree of glory to another degree of glory by His Spirit. 
Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's nevertheless, it, I, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Philippians 2 verse 13 says that it is God who is at work in us both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Transformation occurs as we allow the Holy Spirit of God to empower us, to fill us, to transform us as we seek the Lord with all our heart, as we are growing in our relationship with God. He produces the changes from the inside out. And that love that we've talked about today is something that supernaturally is produced by God's presence in your life. Listen, Christian, you have the very power that raised Christ from the dead alive in you. You have the indwelling power of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit residing in you. He wants you to keep him stirred up every day so that you experience his supernatural life, his supernatural fruit, his supernatural power, his supernatural enablement. It is not you trying hard to change yourself. It's allowing God's Holy Spirit to change and transform you from the inside out. Hallelujah be to God. <laughs> Beloved, there is a world of difference between trying to change yourself and abiding in Christ and letting Him change you. Now, if I stop stirring, what happens? Does the chocolate leave the milk, Laura? Is it possible to get that chocolate out of here? No, it is impossible to get it out. There is no way the chocolate could be removed from this milk because Ephesians 1.13 says you are sealed till the day of redemption. You may quench the Spirit. You may, keep, you may not keep Him stirred up. But he doesn't leave you if you're truly saved. If we left this here and came back tomorrow at 11 o'clock, the chocolate would still be in here, but guess what would happen? It would have settled right back down to when I started. This is why we need to abide in him every day. This is why we need to be in the word every day. This is why we need to pray without ceasing. This is why we need to cry out to God to fill us with the Holy Spirit. This is why when we sin, we need to quickly repent so that we keep him stirred up. Amen? So let's review what we've seen today. Love is a sign of a true believer. Love is demonstrated by the cross of Jesus. Love is an action more than a word. And love is ultimately produced by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a minute to pray afresh to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm the first to stand in my own heart because I want to be filled every day. The filling I had yesterday, I want fresh filling today. The filling I'll get today, I want fresh filling tomorrow. Because Ephesians 5.18 says, Be ye, here again in the Greek, be ye continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you and we praise you today for the truths of your word that are transformative. Lord, your word says that it's the truth that will set you free. And I just pray today for revelation that men and women and young people be set free. Set free in a fresh way by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit, the truths of our identity in Christ. If you're not born again right now, I invite you to pray and just invite Christ to come into your life. If you're not justified by faith alone in Christ alone, 
Open the door of your life. Receive Him. Receive Him now. Receive Him. He awaits at the door. If you're born again and today you say, I want to surrender afresh. I want to stir up the Spirit of God within me. I want God to have unhindered access to my life. That's a powerful phrase. Unhindered access to my life. I'm going to invite you just right where you are to stand. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You say, I want to surrender afresh today. And I want God to have unhindered access to my life. And I want to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit of God to be stirred up within me. You stand. All over the room, those of you watching online, stand where you are to say, I want God's Spirit to be stirred up within me. I want the Lord God to have unhindered access to my life. Some of you may be wrestling with something that you know in your life is displeasing to God. If you will surrender that, He will change you from the inside out. I promise you. I've seen it so many times. He will change you from the inside out if you will surrender and yield. So I want those of you to stand. Those of you standing, just pray with me these phrases. Lord, I surrender. Fill me with your spirit. Have your will and way. Do whatever you want to do. I want your life to be lived in, in and through me. Father, I thank you. And now I pray for those standing. Lord, I pray the release of your spirit. I pray fresh gifts. I pray fresh desires. I pray a renewed hunger. I pray, God, that even in the next 24 hours, they will experience from you something that will demonstrate that right now you are filling them afresh with your Holy Spirit. So I just say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, fill. Holy Spirit, empower. These your people. And I just encourage you right now maybe to just hold your hands upward, just surrender to the Lord. Just say, Lord, I receive. Fill me afresh, O oh Lord. Have your will and way. Just in your own spirit, begin to just surrender, cry out to God, yield afresh. Oh Lord, come and just fill your people. Thank you for your amazing presence. Thank you that you do not leave us as orphans. You have not left us to do it on our own. Your presence and power that lives in us. Transform us, O oh God, from the inside out for your glory. I want to invite our prayer team now to please take your places. If you need prayer with somebody, let's all stand. If you need prayer from somebody, you go to one of those now to get prayer. The altar's open if you just want to come and pray up front by yourself, yielding, surrendering to God all over the room. Let's stand together. God, we love you. We praise you. God, as we think about your return, we think about your second coming, we think about lead the loach, as we think about how any of us today could be our last day, we want to be ready. Oh God, we want to be ready. We want to be a people that are abiding and living so closely with you that if you return, the only difference would be that it goes from an unseen to a seeing realm. But really, the fellowship is no different because we're abiding in you and you're in us. 